This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Moll from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. Well, hello, Ant. G'day, Ryan. Welcome to this uh, week's installment. A um, bit of a different one in the technological space, but the listeners uh, may not know who you are, but firstly, how are you, Ant? Oh, look, Ryan, very good. Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, a little bit, if, if, if I start to slur my words, it's because I've been up since about four o'clock with a, with a teething toddler, mm. um, so a little bit sleep deprived, but I'm sure we'll do well through this. Yeah, well, I barely struggle on eight hours sleep. <laughs> Can't imagine four a.m. Oh, did you do? Did you do your gym routine for three hours after that? Uh, no, no, but I did, did do a little bit of uh, strategic thinking for the business. So did you? Was, yeah. Well, I heard you're on a lazy boy chair with your feet up. That yeah. sounds like a great strategic. It's a great place to do it. I was it was too early for a coffee and, and too late for a whiskey, so I just got got the got the tablet out and started doing some uh, some drawing that I needed to think about. So all right, yep. well, um, I was talking to um, our receptionist Fiona, and I was asking. She heard us talk about um, getting a kid to sleep, and I was saying I was hoping they worked that out by the time <laughs> I had them. But she was saying. Uh, couple of drops of brandy in their milk, their last thing of milk. Yeah, I'm not sure we can get away with that at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez, times have changed, mate. They times have changed. They certainly have, mate. They certainly have. But on that note, a um, bit of context about your background and uh, how things have changed for you. How did it all start, Matt? Yes, how did it all That's a great question. Look, so technology, um, you mentioned that that's what I'm here in to talk about, and, and that's what uh, my background is. So I um, run a company called The IT Psychiatrist. Great um, name. Thank you. Thank you. There, there is one slight issue with the name, and I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, but no, it's, uh, I've been working in the technology field for about 20 years now. Um, some of that studying, so I, I started as a student, Bachelor, bachelor of IT, um, but then some of that in the corporate world. And about two or three years ago, um, I started seeing that where big businesses were getting a lot of value from, from people who were uh, able to plan strategically and, and, and help the business shape up what it needed to do, um, small businesses were, and small and medium um, as well, were, were, would have got the same value but couldn't have afforded the resource. So with the IT psychiatrist, the model I've got is to go out there and work with, with companies, with business leaders, uh, and help them uh, firstly identify the problems I've got in their business and then um, show them how technology can, can act as a solution to those problems. Um, so I've been working in the IT psychiatrist brand for about two years and while it's a great name, while I love the name, it's, uh, it, it is quite difficult to spell. Um, psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah I've, I've mucked it up a couple of times, actually. Mate, I've, I've still mucked it up a few times myself. So, um, yeah, sure. it, it, it gets it gets good name brand recognition, but it, it does have a uh, it does have a challenge with the spelling. So, yeah, SEO. No, that's a point. I mean, I hear in marketing the final decision is made on search so on Google. So, if they're searching and they're coming up with an actual psychiatrist or stumbling to try and find you, they may give up. Uh, potentially, potentially, but uh, I've got my SEO quite good, so I'm coming up quite high as well. So, right. um, 
What, what, what sort of competitors are in your space, or what's your point of difference from there? Um, so I guess the, the competitors are in my space. There's, there's not a lot of direct competitors doing the same work that I'm doing. Um, there's a lot of people out there selling solutions, yeah. and that's probably the main point of difference for me is I don't have um, fixed solutions that I'm that I'm trying to sell. Um, you know, I, I have preferences towards some tools over others, but ultimately what I'm trying to do is find the right solutions for, for the client that I'm working with at the time. Um, and if you talk, the, the one I like to, to compare is CRMs or customer relationship management tools. And um, you know, what's right for for one company won't be won't be perfect for every other company. Mm. Um, and the story I've, I've got with that was a few years ago now in a in a um, Facebook community group for for small business owners. I saw the question come up of from someone going, "Hey, look, I'm I'm about to go out into the in, in, into self business, and um, I I need to have a CRM." Uh, my business model. I'm going to be. I'm a fitness instructor, and I'm going to be offering classes to brides, bridesmaids, mother of the brides to help lose weight. Yeah, mm. Great business model. Um, and she said, "What's the best CRM?" And a whole bunch of people piled in and started recommending, you know, the HubSpots and the the common tools that are out there. And I got in early enough and went, "Well, hang on a minute. There's there's a field of CRMs dedicated specifically to the fitness industry. Uh, allows you to put in health plans, fitness plans, um, diet trackers, all that stuff that your clients will need. So that's what you need to be looking at, not just what." I use or what um, Jimmy down the road uses. Makes sense. I mean, it's a similar crossover in our field is there's a lot of investment advisors that say put your money here. Yep. But they don't necessarily contextually understand the in-depth aspect. Correct. We, um, yeah, we're not very tech-friendly here, but we did manage to get a CRM. <laughs> um, you can critique us by all means. It's, uh, Salesforce um, pulled out a financial services thing, and Salesforce is on the higher end of the spectrum of price. Yep. But I guess the great thing with us is we're there's a point of difference between boutique firms and us, so we have we're able to reach that price point. Yep. And Salesforce innovates, but critique us and judge us. What would? Well, look, it's it's, it's funny you say that because one of the views that I have, um, I try and focus on the people side of technology. Oh. So, like you say, you're not you're not very tech friendly oh. here, but do you need to be? Is, is probably the question that comes back. Definitely not. Um, or do you need to have every system under the sun doing everything? Or do you just have to know that do people need to know how to use what they've got in front of them? Mm. Um, and I think that often becomes a problem for, for many businesses is that often the people don't know how to use the tools around them. True. Or they may not have been configured correctly or the person who who sold it to them, the, the, the sales team who sold it to them, haven't understood what problems they're solving. Um, and that's you know, talking point of difference. That's one thing that I try and focus on with with my clients is is not saying, "Hey, there's a solution for that, or there's an app for that. We'll, we'll put that in, and you'll be right." But it's actually going, "Is the problem that your people don't know what they? Oh, well, it's not that they don't know what they're doing. Is it the, that your people aren't familiar enough with the system? And and will training help, or do we need to upskill them in some regard? Or or could it be the processes within the business as well that's holding them back? So what I'm not looking to do is put a technology solution in to fix everything, because sometimes that's just um, it's it's just like adding another coat of paint over the top of fifteen other coats of paint already. So it's good, cool. Yeah, I mean, we're actually in that situation now where I have to turn into a developer and administrator of Salesforce. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and and as you say, it's not so much the the people aren't good enough. It's just one, obviously, change is a very hard thing to implement. Two, the more barriers you have to that change, well, it's even harder to implement that. As you say, fifteen coats. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I see what you mean. So let's say, okay, you're a small business owner or your ideal clientele are probably what 
10 employees plus in terms of implementation? Yeah, yeah 10 or more. Um, okay. I will work with some of the uh, smaller, uh, less than 10 as well, and I'm currently working on a model for um, solopreneurs, so people who are in business for themselves and, and only them. Um, but yeah, 10 or, 10 or more because um, they tend to have a little bit more complexity that, yeah. that they need to deal with. So. Well, they definitely need it. I mean, I, I understand the huge benefit of technology. One, it keeps you lean, it's efficient, and instead of it being people-dependent, it's actually similar to a front franchise or it's systems. So you can execute the same level of customer service every time. Um, so I see the benefit. So let's say either the listeners are part of a larger organization like that or they're running it themselves. You come in, what happens? Ant walks in the door. Yeah, walk in the door. Um, and 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 the first um, the first part of the engagement for me is is finding out those problems. So, okay. um, not assuming that that again, not assuming that technology is going to fix the, the the issues they've got, um, but just looking for what the problems are in the business and, and where it's coming from. You know, it could be um, processes take a lot longer than they should to to complete. So whether it's fulfilling customer requests or, or providing service. Um, it, it could be that, that things just aren't working. Um, I've got one client that I'm working with at the moment where um, they're just, because they were two companies that merged together, they've got two different tech stacks that they need to, to start to unpick and bundle together. So working with them around um, how to make sure that that's done as seamlessly and um, uh, efficiently as possible. So working through those problems, um, working with the leadership team, um, whether that be the owner or a business manager or, or if it's big enough with the, the, the C-suite, the chief executive and, and below, uh, working with them to actually just say, look, what, what are we trying to fix here? Where, where are the issues? And then taking that back into the staff as well and, and, and working really closely with the people around to actually make sure that, that the problems that are perceived to be there are actually the ones that are really critical to them as well. Uh, okay, so I guess that's, that's your skill set, a combination of the contextual understanding of technology but then also the implementation side of the people. Correct, correct. So what would be common mistakes or misuses of technology that you see? So I think the the, the, the most common mistake I see is that um, people or the business hasn't necessarily gone through the process of, of actually understanding what they need. Um, they've bought a tool based on based on a range of factors and, and never in, um, for the wrong reasons. They're, they're always buying them for the right reasons and, and it's to drive their business forward. But they may not have... Um, chosen the right tool or they may not have implemented it correctly or they may not be using it to the best of the ability. Mm. Um, so therefore, it's just holding them back a little bit. And, and I've seen companies um, who have bought four or five different solutions uh, where the the capabilities and the activities those solutions deliver for the business overlap quite significantly and they probably could have got away with just two instead of five. Yeah, well, they would have loved that, that <laughs> yeah. bottom line, eh? <laughs> yep. So it's, it's I guess the simplistic way to explain is they... Um, the what and how. They, yeah. They're good at that, but they, they lose the why. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So let's say someone's trying to be a self-starter and they like your ant, but maybe they don't want to go see ant. What would the, how would they go about finding their why? Um, so, I mean, you could, we could send them to Simon Sinek's um, TED Talk on Start With Why. <laughs> is, is that is, good, R-Rater? Right, is, is a good one to go with. But but obviously, Start With Why, I mean, there's a lot of things in there, but it's what's their strategy? What are they trying to deliver? What's the vision that they have for their business? Um, where's their business plan taking them as well? Um, you know, and, and, and why is that happening? And that could be someone starting out, someone well-evolved. You know, if, if you, as a financial services company, decided you want to offer only robo advice and, and digital services to your mm -hmm. clients 
what does that look like to you and why are you offering that? What are the challenges? So, that, so that's where um, I'd be working with them to, to, to look at. And same with the startups. What are they trying to do and what are they trying to bring to the market? Okay, interesting. Well, we've got a, we've got a varied bunch of listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a significant amount of tradies, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, and you're working on that solo sort of side of things. So it, it sounds like it's taking the time to understand the vision, the business plan, and, and trying to execute. Correct. Um, so how would... What are common needs or do you see trends? So obviously it's tailored to each organization, but are there certain trends or common problems that technology can fix but they're not utilizing? So I think, I mean, it's, it's a great question. There's, there's some trends that I'm seeing with businesses around technology in general, and, and I can jump to those in a moment, but the trends that technology could be fixing probably comes into automation mm-hmm. um, and the high volume, low value transactional nature of some of the jobs. Um, so you think about um, tradies, for example, um, and and I'll pick on one particular flavour of, of a tradie, maybe a um, someone who runs a carpet cleaning company. Mm. Um, you know, historically, ten years ago, their, their natural model would have been if if they were getting a job, they'd get called out, um, they'd come on site, they'd, they'd probably do a, a measure and quote, figure out how much it's going to cost. Um, quote the customer on that. Um, in this day and age, with the amount of information we've got online, there's there's nothing stopping um, carpet cleaners from actually um, doing that all digitally. So having a form on their website or or through that that's searchable online, that a customer can jump in and say, "Hey, I need my house cleaned. Um, carpets, I don't know, twenty years old. Um, we've got ninety square meters or or one hundred and fifty square meters of floor space. Uh, carpets, this style, this style, or whatever." Um, and, and have an automatic quote generated, and then they could say, "Yep, want to go with that." Um, uh, could could tap into the the tradies calendar, and it could be say, you know, I'm in um, Tiatu. Uh, Tiatu. Uh, the tradie could be saying, "Right, great, Tiatu, four hours blocked out for that kind of job. Um, we can be there next Wednesday." And and suddenly everything's been automated, and that tradie's not having to be on the phone and 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 spending a lot of time going to site back and forth all the time. That makes sense. Mm. Um, all right, so there's one area of automation. What would be some other key automation areas to focus on? Um, at a quick start. Yeah, so I think um, I mean sticking with that same one, and and this is where zero, a, a tool like a zero or or the more modern MYOB comes in is the whole um, quote to invoice process. So uh, once you've quoted and once you've completed the work, you should be able to hit, hit the button, generate an invoice, and send it straight to the customer. If that's your um, uh, payment model. Okay. If your if your payment model is more cash on delivery, you could do it different, differently as well. So, um, so that's one. But um, for for more mid sized firms, companies that have got a few people on board, uh, and I'm sort of thinking into the twenty or thirty plus space here. And, and and as they're growing, you could start to automate the setup of new staff. Um, you could start to automate the way uh, forms are being flowing through the business as well. So do you, do you suggest that for the large organisations because they have that problem of wanting staff or the fact they have scale to justify the cost? They have scale to justify the cost. So oh, okay. if they were if they were um, in a massive growth mode yeah. um, and they were looking to, to really uplift their um, HR systems, then definitely I'd, I'd recommend that. If they were just 30 people and they were only ever going to be 30 people, then we wouldn't go down that path. We'd look for other opportunities where technology can, can add value to them or where their current environment could be um, evolved to to get more value out as well. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, here's here's a out there question: If um if you had unlimited money mm. and you could make the perfect organization based on the technological know how that you have, mm-hmm. what systems would you execute in that? 
Uh, good question. I'll unspring on you on this, mate, especially with your lack of sleep. You know, Great question. Look, um, hey, look, perfect organisation. I think everyone would have. Um, uh, I'll, I'll use some 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 big high level terms: portability and and flexibility. So what I'm meaning there is, is every system that I had would be um, uh, cloud based or avail- accessible over the internet. It doesn't have to be cloud based, okay. um, but one of the core principles of cloud is it's accessible over the internet. So yeah, they'd be able to do their job from anywhere in the world, um, and ideally on any device as well. So whether it be um, a laptop, a cell phone, a tablet, doesn't matter, um, but they've got access to the systems that they need to do the job they need. Um, so so that would be the first principle that I'd be going for. Um, second one is um, uh, maintaining data as, a, as an asset to the business. So instead of having um, piles of data and information all over the place um, and, and stored in different systems, I'd have one single data repository Hmm. um, that everything else is consuming from um, and using as a single source of truth. Um, A number of reasons for that. Um, One, you you don't end up with the the challenges of having too much data. Um, And I know plenty of the older organizations around have got this where they can't keep track of their customer because they just they're in in so many different systems. Yeah. Um, But secondly, it's easier to secure. You know, we've seen um, examples over the last couple of weeks. where information from from for or from the levels of government that we've seen it at has just been leaked out into the public sphere, or in the case of the police, the police have been hacked. Mm. Um, the more you can, the more you centralise your data into one place, the more secure you are as a business. Uh, interesting. Is that because you can put more time into the security for that, or is it the less things that could go wrong? Or it's just that there's one thing to secure. So oh, it's okay. it's like if you think of um, if your house only had one door and no windows. Yeah, it'd be a horrible place to live. <laughs> but securing it's going to be easy, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah you, you think of it like that. The more rooms, the more windows, the more doors you've got into your house, the harder it is to secure. Um, and even if you were an alarm technician and you were quoting on a, on a job with a house that only had one door, you know, all you have to do is put a sensor around that door mm. and, and you're done. But if you've got, like if, if, if we use our house, for example, we've got three doors that you can come and go from. Um, we've got, I think 15 windows. That... Don't go too descriptive. Don't even say the area. Man. <laughs> no, no, I won't say the area. Um, we've got, I think we've got 15 windows, and I only know that because we, we replaced them a few years ago. Um, so 15 windows that we'd have to secure. <laughs> I would never know that answer. All right. um, that we'd have to secure at, at, at every level of whether an alarm or a proper lock or whatever. So it's the same with data. The more databases you've got, if you've got a CRM where you're storing customer data, and then you've got um, SharePoint where you're storing customer files that has customer information. And, and then you've got, uh, I don't know, an, a, another system that, that information, again, is, is existing in. That's three points that you've got to secure. So that makes sense. So if, the, if people are aware of that, what's stopping them from consolidating? Is there not a program or is it the time it takes to transfer the system? I think it's the time and the, and the, and the knowledge more than anything. Okay. Um, I, I ran a, a survey through uh, Facebook and LinkedIn um, over the last week and the results that came back, the question I had was, what's the biggest challenge you've got in your business? Mm. And Good question. Um, what I was expecting to see was that the usual chestnut that comes out of, oh, it's too expensive. But what that, that it's too expensive was, I think, two or three people answered, 7% of the responses were that. Mm. But the, the big ones were um, not knowing who to trust to deliver what I need. Sure. Yeah. Not, not knowing what I need. Mm. And it's not working. It, 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 it always breaks down. Um, now, those first two, I think, not knowing what I need and not knowing who to trust are, are pretty linked together. You mm. know, 
Um, and Probably if, causes a third too. Yeah, I think it does because they don't know what they need and because they, they either go out and, and get a, a, try and get a deal or a bargain from someone, um, it's, it may not be configured right. So I think you're right. They're, they're interlinked. Yeah, right. Hmm. Greg calls it making the invisible visible. Correct. Um, yep. So, all right, you've got those as data. It's mm-hmm. all consolidated. What are the capabilities with data? Why are people comparing it to the new crude oil? Um, just because there's so much potential in the information. You know, if, if you think, and, and we've talked about this with Greg as well, mm. if you think of a bank, um, assuming that someone has a relationship with with a bank from, from the day they're born, the bank can use key data points to actually map out the journey of what the customer, of what that customer is going to do, you know, and 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 interact with them in a certain way um, as they hit different milestones. So, for the first thirteen or fourteen, fifteen years of their life, the bank relationship with the with that customer might be very um, hands off mm. and and maybe just helping them safeguard their money. Um, but as they hit to about fifteen, one of the first people in the world to know that you've got a job is going to be your bank because you'll get a regular fixed income coming in. Um, and, and that's how they could be communicating and saying, hey, look, you know, we see you've got a job. Um, we see you're making money. What, what's your plans? What's your goals? What's your, how, how, do you, how do you want to structure this so you've got a little bit to put away for that first car or for, um, I don't know, maybe the summer holidays um, uh, between school or whatever? And then as, as they turn 17, the bank could start to ask the question of, well, where do you plan to go after school? Mm. What are you planning to do? Um, you're off to university? Great. You're off to a trade? Great. Um, what's your goal? Beyond that, um, what's that life goal look like? And then as you age with the bank, the bank can still keep having those conversations. You know, you're going to get to a certain point where a house ownership might be on the cards. The bank should be preempting that. Mm. Um, today, the banks have all this information, but they don't, they, they would like to be able to do that with it. Um, but the problem they've got is that the information is just all over the place. So, and, and it's not consolidated into a central view. Um, Man, you're inspiring me to want to do this because, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sort of a big picture guy and the details go off. Yeah. Um, but I, I do see the massive potential. Like the, the more you can automate your business, the more lean you can make it. Then on top of that, the more consistent your customer service. But the final piece is how personalized you can make that journey. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. And, and that's where data becomes that oil um, that you're talking about is it allows you to personalize things. And if you think of that bank example, None of those milestones need someone watching the customer throughout to actually trigger any point. Is it can just be um, triggered based on, or, or, or the process can kick off based on certain triggers. So that fortnightly income going into the bank is a fairly good assumption that there is a there is a job. So you can start to send out the marketing material, mm. update your CRM so that if the customer does get in touch with you, you can have the conversation with them. Because um, the last thing you want to have is that breakdown of. Um, you send out a lot of marketing, someone engages, rings up the call center, and the call center's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you know? yeah. um, and the same could be done for, um, for, for for tradies. And if we come back to that um, carpet cleaning example as a business, for, um, or, or actually a, a different one, we had um, a little bit of a cockroach problem just because just the neighborhood we're in, um, a little bit damp, a little bit, a lot of wood around us, so a cockroach problem at the start of the year. And we had a guy come in, sprayed the walls, um, baited and everything. Great, did a great job. And he said, look, this should last you for about six months. Mm. Um, there's an opportunity there to be talking to him and actually having him have an automated follow-up with yeah. us in six months. Because um, uh, what he's trusting is that we'll remember who he was 
and that what what um, what a great job he did because he did a fantastic job. But us remembering that in six months, and and he could be following up. You know, he did it in February. Get to you know, September, we we could just get it either a call or an email or or, or a letter in the box saying, hey, um, do you want to book another time? Um, and and then again, could automate that to the point where do you want to book it another time? He's got our details. He knows how much it cost him last time. Mm. We should be able to just push a button and say, yeah, we'll see you Friday. And he shows up, does the work, and then the invoice arrives. You know, God, you think you think if you have a certain level of resource and smart people in your organisation, you would allow that. But I found even, I used to be a garbage runner back yep. in the day, and um, even they'd spend thousands of dollars every week to try and fix the truck instead of <laughs> buying a new one. They were very transactionally focused. Yeah, um, I imagine because there's a board and blah blah blah, and they got to tick. The, yep. But I think they 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 lose opportunity there, like. So obviously in our organization, I'm limited by time and expertise and I have to be very selective of what I focus on. Um, but the potential, because I, I have this vision of, um, so we've got a CRM, we intimately know someone into the, like we know all the kids' date of births, mm. ages, everything mm. that's going on in their life. And then that, their caller ID comes up. So we get reminded, we check the CRM to remind us what's going on. Yep. We know exactly what's happening. So we can tell them as soon as they answer, you're like, oh, hey, is this Ant? Oh, and I suspect you're calling about your draw request it's yep. at this stage, just so you know. And then you could even have the coffee, your favorite coffee when they come in. You could even potentially automate the process of sending, uh, finding a great present tailored to them based on the data that you mine and then do a handwritten note and then deliver it. Correct. It's, absolutely. And if, if you're into um, client entertainment in some way or, or gifts, you can use that to, to their advantage as well. You know, um, if you know you've got a client who, who likes sport mm. um, or, and, and, and you're able to afford to do this, you know, then, then why not buy? Um, if, if you've got the capital behind you, why not invest in a box at Eden Park? And you can invite those clients along. Um, but equally, if, if the clientele that you're dealing with um, prefer fashion or prefer the movies or prefer something else, then you can start to offer personalised gifts because not everyone likes sport. No. Um, and maybe it's a box of wine and, and, and a um, uh, sorry, bottle of wine and a box of chocolates that'll that'll. Yeah, yeah. Greg learned the hard way, so he's got a strategy. Well, he works on this 90 day cycle. Where you've got to get in contact with your client uh, quite a few times in that 90 day period, and we have a few client functions, but. One of the, one of the things that he um, was doing was uh, initially giving out a, a nice bottle of alcohol uh, that he could um, hand deliver, but then he found out certain people didn't drink. Blah blah. blah. So now his Christmas cakes and hand delivers those every year for yep. Christmas. Yep. But you just think of how personalised that could be when the gifts are decided for you. They're still relatively smart on a cost basis because you could have something that does that. Correct. And the opportunities uh, would all be there. Correct. Correct. And that's. Um uh, there's some interesting things in there. I had a had a manager once who didn't celebrate Christmas, um, just just because of um, cultural and religious beliefs. And, and there's plenty of people out there who don't. So, yeah, no, there's 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 a, there's a lot to that. I mean, the level which you could go. Is there certain programs that you feel comfortable that you use? Because, but then once again, that's the same problem. You're doing the what and the how. Yeah. So yeah, and and look, it comes to the, with the what and the how. There, there's there's many ways to skin a cat. At the mm. end of the day, so CRM. You, you talked about Salesforce. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, Salesforce, HubSpot, Mondays, Nimble, um, PipeDrive. I, I could I could keep running that one all day. Uh, it doesn't resonate with people though. True. It's, it's what are you trying to do? You know, um, for some people, Salesforce will be suitable. And, and I remember having a conversation with someone early on um, where his CRM was still done in Excel. 
um, but he had a very clear process that he followed where mm. um, that information was was every piece of information was looked at um, weekly uh, and everything was updated every time there was there was a need to so he had this the strategy in place to deal with it and it was like cool don't there's there's no point in um, trying to push you into something you have to pay for if what you've got's good enough and and that's for me is the again why are we changing why is the problem here because if the problem is the people or if the problem is the um, the processes you've got around it, um, then the the why um, is quite clear, and the what and the how uh, is less of a less of a challenge for you. Yeah, so that's that's the tricky thing. I mean, th- this could lead to a, a huge uh, increase in sale intake for you on top of what you're already doing. Um, but there's there's also the people that so it's quite hard to take a tangible idea from this. So well, I understand the automation is like okay, it makes sense. Yep. I can yep. understand the need for the why. Is this is there a way to find a process to not make those mistakes uh, in an organisation and yeah definitely there a framework or? there's a so there's a framework that I've been working on and and it needs a much better title because the title I'm working with at the moment means means something to people in technology indus- as an industry doesn't mean anything to the audience but but I'll, I'll use it anyway enterprise architecture for for SME EA for SME um, and the framework there EA the EA framework enterprise architecture framework is just a way of aligning technology strategies with business outcomes. So aligning what you what you need with where you want to go. Um, like I say, it needs a better name so that it resonates better, but, but the idea for, through that framework is to work with companies to not necessarily do it for them, but to show them how to, you know, so when they do have a need later on, um, they've actually got the skills internally to, 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 to focus on the why and to then map the what and the how back to the why okay. um, and the who as well. So, so, so that's one thing that, that can be done. And I think, um, the fundamental question and, and what I've been talking about um, a lot lately is within identifying problems is just, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Um, what are the problems that, that truly need solving? Um, mm. and, and how do we evolve and adapt? You know, the the thing that I, the quote that I came across earlier this week was um, a quote from the Blockbuster CEO in 2008. Um, so uh, for everyone that's familiar with the Blockbuster story and, and how Netflix disrupted them, um, there's a lot more to it than just that. But in 2008, um, Netflix had started to offer streaming as a service. Um, Blockbuster had gone onto the online channel and then pulled away a bit uh, and were starting to lose their, their market share significantly. But the CEO at the time said, we don't see Netflix as a competitor, we see Walmart and Apple as our biggest competitors. So he was seeing physical retail of DVDs as being the biggest challenge. Mm. Um, and within two years, he was gone. Oh, the business was was bankrupt. And um, you know, Netflix is now a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, and so, so that's something I think with, with companies is w- what are the problems out there and what do they need to focus on? Um, and how do they make sure they don't disrupt themselves too much, um, but, but also don't let someone disrupt them? Yeah, my, that's my biggest thing with corporates. I mean, they, they get so rigid and they lack mm. agility. Like, I mean, even the guy on that Walmart, Sam Walton, he started it, one of the richest men in America, and he was arrested in Brazil for measuring the aisles uh, in a supermarket. <laughs> so uh, they didn't know he was a billionaire. And what he was doing, he was like trying to find out, are they doing something that I'm not? Mm. Um, is there a way for an organization at that scale to still remain agile or a process to, to perceive change and that sort of thing? Oh, look, definitely. Um, there, there definitely is, and that's where that, that enterprise architecture function comes in. It's what I was talking about, why, why I went into, business, into the business model I've got, is that as long as they're looking outside and, and keeping an eye on the, the enha- advancements in technology and what the customer wants, 
um, you know, if, if you t- take it back to Blockbuster and Netflix, um, one of the things the customer wanted was just to be able to watch a movie where mm. they wanted, when they wanted. Mm. Um, and that's what Netflix offered with streaming. Hey, you, you can watch this um, anywhere in the world at any time, as long as you've got an internet connection. Um, whereas Blockbuster, were, well, you can watch what you want as long as we've got it in store. And <laughs> if you yeah. forget to return it, we'll charge you a late fee. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, so it's, it's that kind of thing. And, and same for the supermarkets, same for the warehouse, the, 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 the Walmarts of the world of, of what's the customer want. You know, mm. um, a, a quote that I've, I've used before is that no matter how good your boat is with, with the likes of Team New Zealand, you know, they've got a rocket ship, they've got, a, they've got a, something that's, that's, that's cruising at about 30 knots, I think. Mm. They still have to look outside um, to see what's going on. You know, True. They, they can't just stick their head down and hope for the best. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's a good analogy and a way to see things with an organisation is the customer's always right, but the challenge when um, an organisation tries to innovate in that space is they try and think what another person feels yep. and execute on that. Yeah. So do you think there's a certain level of test and measure? So the, so you're trying to do, you're putting client as your focus, you're talking to them on the surveys, you're giving them what they want, um, but it, they could actually be, um, I'm getting lost my words. Well, no, I think I know. We'll pull it together. I think, we'll we, together. I, I think I know where you're going with that. And if you right, look good. at um, one of the biggest frustrations with, with companies like Vodafone, Telecom, Chorus, when they're doing um, work around a house, is they sit there and say, we'll have a technician on site between 9 and 12. Now, I don't want to sit around for, for three hours waiting for a technician. I kind of want to know that he's going to be there at 9.30. Mm. Um, and, and that's what the, what the customer is wanting to, demand, uh, wanting to see now is, is give me certainty. Don't give me a range. Don't tell me they're going to be there from 9 to 12 and then they don't show up till 3 o'clock. Yeah. T- tell me they're going to be there at 9.30 yeah. and, and have them there at 9.30. You know? um, I remember talking to an electrician about this a, a few years ago. We had some work done on the lights at, at a house and he was he was a sparky in Auckland and he was he was doing a lot of Auckland and he was once he'd finished our job he was off to buy himself a motorbike because what he'd figured was that he could spend an hour hour in the morning just going around and quoting all the different houses that he was going to be working on on his motorbike then head back home jump in the van and start the day's work for the day whereas if he was trying to get to all those houses in the van Mm. he was stuck in traffic and he couldn't move as nimbly he couldn't be as agile so for him you know the technology change for him was motorbike and van. That was it. It was as simple as that because he'd figured out how to get to, to more customers quicker. Yeah, right. See, I don't know. When, when I asked you to come on the podcast, it, I thought you might just go, oh, yeah, tech is the way. You've got to <laughs> bring in all these fancy gizmos, but you're, you're more on the practical side. If it works, it works. If, if it's good enough, it's good enough, right? Yeah. Um, as, as long as you, you – as long as – and that's again, comes back to the what and the how, as long as you know the why, as long as you know why it's working for you. Um, you know, had the Sparky decided that he was just going to get rid of his van and go to every job on the back of his motorbike, I'd say he was he was barking up the wrong tree. Because imagine taking all your tools and your kit. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that. I was like, oh, it's a quote. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just simply to quote while while his van was still. And 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 again, you know, you think about um companies that have a lot of uh remote, well not remote, but but field workers where um they're off doing assessments whether it be a property inspector or a um a surveyor for a, a quantity surveyor it could could be out there with just a tablet where they're punching in all the numbers they need to mm. um and that could connect back to to that central data hub that I talked about um and then they go back to the office at the end of the day or maybe maybe at two o'clock in the afternoon they're back to the office and they're they're typing up their reports, but they're not having to transfer everything back and forward. And they're not, the tablet's not the, the constraint because you wouldn't want to write a report on a tablet. No. But they're not lugging a big heavy laptop, which they have to race, carry a charge around for as well. 
know, so. Yeah, massive. I mean, you could even have like certain steps on this tablet that um, give an indicator to poor people like yourself on how far along they are at the job, the yeah. location linked to the, and then it sends it off to, I just get so excited. I don't <laughs> like necessarily using tech all the time, but I, I like the idea of the end outcome that it, it provides. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. exciting stuff, mate. It's exciting stuff. Oh, it certainly what, is. What would be your why? Why are you? In, I understand the practical sense, but why is Ant doing what he's doing? Why, why am I doing? Because I like solving problems um, okay. ultimately, um, and I like helping other people solve problems as well. Um, uh, because at the end of the day, that's that's what most businesses are there for—is to help customers solve problems. Sure. So. I always uh, I like the quote because um, people sort of like, "Oh yeah, all, all more money and all this sort of thing." But I mean, the money you earn is relative to the problem you solve. Hundred percent. So, how big a problem do you want? You might love it, but other people will be like, "Uh." "So, what's the vision then?" So, we've got this IT psychiatrist with great SEO, but hard to spell. (laughs) What's the uh, What's the long term vision of what's potentially possible with what you're doing? Yeah. So, look, the the long term vision, I guess, is 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 building, uh, instilling that level of knowledge into people where they they can actually we, we answer those two questions we talked about before. They know who to trust, and they know what the potential of technology in their business is. Um. And and once the once those two questions are answered, you know, once uh, we can say uh, anyone can say hand on heart, I know why I've got the system and I know what it does for me, um, and I know how it does it, then then I'll consider that job done. But equally, um, instead of the the I don't know um, who to call or I don't know what to do, if they're sitting there going, yeah, I know who to, I, I know that when I ring my um, IT provider and I ask him a question and the answer I get is going to be just what I need. I've got that trust as well. So mm. um, it's, it's just about raising that level of knowledge up a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. Same, similar reflection in the financial space. I want to improve the collective financial know-how of all of New Zealand so they stop making dumb decisions. <laughs> if that means I lose a job, then whatever. Yeah, exactly. If, 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 if I turn around and, and no one needs an IT psychiatrist in 10 years because I've done a great job at just living, lifting that level of trust up, and the level of understanding what can be done, then, hey, I'll go do something else quite happily. <laughs> yeah, that's a good legacy there. I imagine you'll be a very wealthy man if you help execute the <laughs> national world. Um, all right, well, as a closing remark for the um, business owners that recognize their problem, but there's something holding them back from taking that next step and reaching out to someone, what would you say to them? Look, I'd, I'd say um, I, I, one of the services I offer is just a free conversation um, with, with business owners, you know, just, just to, to, to work through whether there are problems. Um, so I know that when, when you start saying consultant in front of some people that they hear, um, dollar signs, um, and, yeah. and that's not my model. My model's not there to, to, to take those traditional consultancy, high, high value, long-term things, but just to sit down and, and have that first chat and, and see if there's, there's something to work on and, and, and give some takeaways. So anyone who's listening to this, um, who, who wants to, to, to just have a chat about whether the potential in their business, um, then, then feel free to give me a call or, or jump on my website, um, www.theitpsychiatrist.co.nz. Um, and, and, and there's a booking, there's a contact me booking form there. So, so just book something in and we'll come on out. Um, and if, if there is a chance that I can help you, then we'll, we'll have that conversation on what that looks like after the fact. But um, have that free conversation first and just, just see what it's doing. Sure. And uh, everyone that's been listening, that this, isn't, this isn't an infomercial or anything like that. <laughs> it's really just... Uh, people that I've come across the networking that I feel could add collective value to the listeners um, and, and have quite a unique insight and I invite on and for those of you that don't know how to spell psychiatrist <laughs> like me um, there'll be a link in the bio so click that 
And uh, yeah, well, thanks for coming in, and I hope you had a good time and it was interesting. Oh, it was a great chat. Thanks for having me, Ryan. It was uh, yeah, I recorded my own podcast session this morning, so this is it's good to be interviewed rather than interview. Yeah, so. you get to talk more, mate. It's a liberation. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, for once again, thanks to NZ Audio Editors and Jordan Greville. And uh, anyone that has questions, whether it's business, maybe I can ask the next guest that, um, or it's in the financial space, just hit me up at ryan at oneplan.co.nz. Till next time. Thank you, Ryan. Sweet, mate.